It can be really hard for us to relax at night. We're always thinking about covering crime. But the good news is our wonderful new sponsor, Via, has a terrific product that helps us unwind. Via Hemp has a wide range of terrific gummies of both the THC and THC-free varieties. They can help you with focus, recovery, sleep, creativity, or just plain enjoyment. These products legally ship to all 50 states. I really liked Zen in particular. This is a yummy blueberry option that lets you catch a chill sleep with help from CBN and CBD. It's really helped me turn off my brain and settle down for the night. I also got a shout out Flow State. It helped me feel energized throughout the day. Like not to brag, but I got a lot done. I'm talking about doing several interviews and editing a whole show from start to finish, not to mention jumping on some of the latest filings in the cases we cover. It really made me feel sharp and ready to tackle any challenge. I couldn't recommend this more. Via has so many great gummy options to choose from. Everything from guava berry low dose that allows you to microdose THC to the chill-inducing Delta 9 gummy dreams. Head to viahemp.com and use code MSHEET to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies. That's viahemp.com and use code MSHEET at checkout. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Enhance your every day with Via Hemp. Again, if you're 21 and over, you can get 15% off plus a free pack of award-winning gummies with our exclusive code, msheet at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P dot com. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of murder and violence. We were really excited recently to get a chance to be a part of Murders at the Burger Joint, a one-hour documentary about the Burger Chef murders, which is available to stream on Discovery+. Plus. We have been researching this case for years and have done multiple episodes covering the different theories that surround the case. You heard about a couple of the most prominent theories in the documentary. We thought we would tell you about another one. One we will be covering in more depth when we return to the case for another batch of episodes in November. My name is Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And this is The Murder Sheet, a weekly true crime podcast. Anya and I connected over the Burger Chef murders. 
1978 unsolved case involving the killings of four young restaurant employees. Now we're looking to track restaurant homicides. To help us understand the patterns of these crimes, we created a spreadsheet of nearly a thousand eatery-related killings, the murder sheet. We'll be drawing on that data throughout season one to give you a deep dive into undercovered crimes. We're the murder sheet. And this is You Never Can Forget, the Crabtree Connection. One researcher who has long pondered a possible Crabtree family connection to the Burger Chef murders is Chris Davis. Chris hosted the 3C podcast, which devoted its first season to the case. Recently, we had a chance to talk to him about this theory. We started with the obvious question. So who, who were the Crabtrees? You know, you say the Crabtrees, and, and obviously there were the namesakes involved, Norma Crabtree, um, was the, the matriarch of the family. Um, her husband, Clint, who had a very violent past of his own, but had seemed to kind of calm down by the time period we're focused on in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, they had a son together, Daryl, uh, very um, violent. You know, he was, he was surrounded by all of this kind of drug culture and violence as he was growing up, you know, took to it. Um, seemingly very naturally. Um, there were a lot of peripheral characters then around them, people that Daryl grew up with, Stephen Presley, um, different cousins um, that, uh, you know, were kind of involved peripherally or, or hinted at being involved in different crimes that he was involved in. So if you look at, you know, some of the crimes that Daryl is known to have committed, there's a whole slew of different names popping up and, uh, for people that know Indianapolis, there was an area known as the Valley. And really what kind of, the way it seems to me is that the crab trees became kind of the ones running that Valley area um, and just kind of recruiting and, and moving their operation westward um, until we know that it ultimately expanded into the Speedway area with involvement in, you know, through local motels, the classic uh, Motor Lodge and the American Inn where they were arrested on multiple occasions for violence and um, drug possession and, and different types of drug charges. So um, that's that's the basics of who the Crabtree family was. It would, it would take several episodes, I think, to go through um, all of their different misdeeds through the years. The Crabtree family was heavily involved in the drug trade. What kind of drugs were they uh, involved in selling and moving? So, you know, it, first, you know, from some conversations I've had with people who, who knew the family a little bit, um, there almost wasn't a drug that Daryl wouldn't 
do. So when we're talking about overall access, um, anything from marijuana to speed to downers, um, but the big operation was having what it seemed like, you know, single mothers, um, unfortunate females in most cases, you know, or down on their luck young women um, in need of a hand, in need of a buck, or maybe with their own uh, addiction to feed, um, going to some local doctors who were pretty uh, free with giving out prescriptions. And then what would happen was these women would get these prescriptions filled, uh, take the pills to the crab trees. Um, they, they would end up with quite a stockpile. And um, then they would sell them on the street for, you know, $20 per pill, you know, which, you know, again, talking back in the late 70s, early 80s, you get several hundred pills. You're, you're talking thousands upon thousands of dollars, obviously not being taxed or anything. So um, they were able to um, buy buy weaponry. Um, Norma Jean, you know, was, was well-dressed, nice in the jewelry. But again, at the same time, they were kind of smart about it in the fact that, you know, and they rented out all these motel rooms to kind of operate out of and keep, keep a lot of it out of the house. Um, but at the same time, they stayed in a pretty modest house in the valley, not raising a lot of... Um, you know, eyes about, you know, where could money be coming from? Uh, so, so it, 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 at a, for a time, seemed very organized. You, you mentioned some of their heinous crimes and sort of what they were known for. Um, and, and I just wonder if you could, you know, speak a little bit more to the violence that they were known for and how that might compare against other entities and players that we've, you know, that are associated with the Burger Chef. Yeah, so, I mean, even going all the way back to um, Daryl's dad, um, Clint Crabtree, when he was younger, you know, in his 20s and 30s, um, arrested on multiple occasions, lots of armed robberies, um, vehicle robberies that would end up in shootouts with the police. Um, He was involved in shootouts at local bars here in Indianapolis, Um, even... There's even a song written about him um, being involved in a, in a stabbing incident about uh, at, a, at a local bar in the 60s. So, um, you know, it, it kind of you can you can go back as far as that. But I mean, again, in the time frame that we're talking about, you know, Daryl Daryl was at one point linked to a crime um, known as the Hollinsburg murders. Those murders took place on February 14th. 1977 in Hollinsburg, Indiana. A group of four young men led by Roger Drollinger broke into a house trailer and confronted Betty Spencer and her four sons. The family was made to lie face down and each was shot. Betty's sons were all killed, but Betty lived. One of the shots made her wig fly off and in the confusion, the killers thought that meant they had blown her head apart. She was, of course, taken in for medical attention. And as she was in the hospital recovering from her injury, she was shown a set of mugshots. But somehow, Daryl, by this point in 1977, you know, not even being 18 years old at that point, his face was in this set of mugshots, and he was actually, was actually a warrant issued for his arrest um, in these Hollinsburg murders. Now, later, uh, another boy confessed and, and confessed as to who was with him. 
those four uh, men, uh, boys and, and young men, were later convicted. So Daryl wasn't actually involved in that, but there was already a history of, of some criminal activity in his youth that that even made it, you know, put him put him in the line of fire there. He goes on to be later in 1977 involved as a getaway driver in a robbery at a drugstore where the man who actually went in to rob the drugstore was shot and killed by police. Um, later goes on to be involved in multiple drug arrests, multiple shootings, some of which he um, doesn't do any time for. Finally, in 1982, uh, he's involved in a shooting where he does end up going to prison uh, for quite some time, and, and kind of the kind of the last uh, major violent act that we see from Daryl. But Daryl Crabtree's name had been associated with many violent acts. Can you tell us what happened between uh, Daryl and Terry King? Yeah, so, um, you know, piecing things together from uh, newspaper reports and a few uh, files that I've seen, there was some disagreement between different people involved in, in this uh, Crabtree drug dealing scheme. And it, it kind of centers around a, a triangle involving uh, Daryl Crabtree and Stephen Presley and Terry King. They all kind of meet up at a hotel or a motel in, in Speedway, uh, the classic motor lodge. And we don't have a lot of details on exactly what the new agreement was. It's said to involve a large sum of money probably stemming from drug sales uh, in, in the neighborhood of $2,000 um, and leads to Daryl shooting Terry. Um, now, Terry doesn't die, um, but so so then kind of the police get involved um, and start an investigation. They find out that Stephen Presley was present for the shooting, probably has knowledge of why it happened, who actually did what. Um, and Daryl is arrested, um, although only held for a short time and, and, and bailed out. The King shooting seemed to lead to even more violence. Unfortunately, another person uh, in their crew, a young lady who had been involved with the prescription scheme uh, for the Crabtrees and um, knew Stephen Presley quite well, um, spent time with Daryl Crabtree, um, wound up murdered uh, just just a week or so after Stephen Presley. Um, she was actually found, quite gruesome, found um, burned to death in her trailer. Um, and it was eventually, obviously, a, a, quite an investigation went on to determine the cause of the fire and everything, but it was definitely later uh, determined to be um, a, a, an arson and, and a homicide that meant someone had, had made sure she stayed in that trailer um, and did pass away at that time. So. Um, and again, a lot of rumor there indicating that Daryl was likely involved because Jana, the same as, as uh, Stephen Presley was a potential witness to the Terry King shooting, um, Jana Price had been with uh, Stephen Presley the night he was murdered and, and kind of knew his movements and upcoming movements and could potentially link him to uh, being with Daryl that night. And then another name I often hear is uh, Otis Powell. What happened to him? 
Yeah, so, you know, I, I for a long time since I'd heard Daryl Crabtree's name, heard about Otis Powell's death, and it certainly was suspect in the way that it happened um, and, and kind of the timing of it. It was right around the same time as, as Stephen Presley and Jana Price being killed, and um, he had fallen off of a, a bridge overpass um, in downtown Indianapolis um, on the near east side of the city and uh, died at, later at the hospital from the injuries from that fall. And, you know, it, obviously it, it, it seems um, awfully coincidental as far as his association with the Crabtrees. And um, his, his father had even been arrested with uh, Clint Crabtree, Daryl's father, um, you know, during one of his earlier crimes. So there's definitely some association there. And, uh, you know, the timing of it was, was quite convenient. But I still always thought you know, it could have been an accident. It could have been and been drinking, walking drunkenly and fallen, fallen over. I, I gave some benefit of the doubt there. But what was really striking to me when I was able to see a little bit of the actual police investigation into some of these known crimes, the Stephen Presley murder, the Jana Price murder, is that um, Otis Powell's home was kind of the central hub where everybody kind of saw everybody. Uh, being Jana Price and um, Stephen Presley and Ricky Angel is another name that comes up in the crew. We're all kind of together at Otis Powell's home the night before Stephen Presley was uh, murdered. So now it lends itself to the idea that Otis Powell was another potential witness of this crime or, or the preceding events leading up to the crime that needed to be dealt with and, and possibly his death was a homicide as well. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say exactly why some of this, this happens. I think that uh, you can make a pretty educated guess that Daryl uh, decides he has to go into cleanup mode, although, again, he was never arrested or tried for any of the, the crimes I'm about to mention, but his name was definitely often linked. Um, just about two to three weeks after the Terry King shooting, um, Stephen Presley is found murdered in Johnson County in a lane across from a uh, cemetery on Morgantown Road in Johnson County, a cemetery that conveniently is the final resting place um, of many members of Daryl's family, uh, mostly from his mother's side um, of the family. And, you know, a lot of people that, that police interview at the time um, and even some reports in the newspaper indicate involvement of Daryl and of people people associated with his family as being involved in that and being kind of the last ones to be seen with Stephen Presley before he was found dead. It even indicates that Stephen Presley did have some upcoming meetings with Speedway police, most likely to discuss what he saw at uh, the Terry King shooting, which could give a potential motive for Daryl to, to be involved in his killing. Again, can't say for sure. But there, there's there's plenty of implication through the years that that's what happened. The murder of Stephen Presley in particular has always attracted attention from students of the Burger Chef case. As Chris mentioned, Presley was supposed to meet with Speedway police. Some have speculated that that meeting was not actually about the Terry King shooting, that instead Presley was going to talk with them about Burger Chef, that Presley was killed because he knew too much and Crabtree wanted to keep him quiet. And it is certainly true that the details of Presley's death 
sound eerily familiar to anyone who knows about Burger Chef. Reading about his murder in the papers, it seems like there are some similarities between his murder and what happened to the victims at Burger Chef. Can you discuss that? Yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, his body was found in Johnson County um, on a lane uh, on, on Morgantown Road across from a cemetery that was that had connections to the Crabtree family, an area that, that I would expect him, uh, them and Daryl to be familiar with. Um, but in terms of the actual crime, um, you know, much like is speculated with the Burger Chef kids, uh, it's speculated that um, Stephen Presley was driven down there uh, kind of against his will in the back of a van. Um, he was shot in the head um, with 38 caliber bullets, um, presumably from a revolver because no bullets were found, no, no shells were found at the scene. Um, although I think we've discussed the possibility that maybe he was potentially shot inside the van. Um, you know, so it could be that, that shells uh, remained inside the van. But even at that, um, the similarities are, are still eerie. You know, three, the three uh, shots, um, you know, to the head on a, on a lane in a relatively um, quiet part of Johnson County. Um, it, it very similar to the way that both um, Danny Davis and Ruth Shelton were, were killed. For all of its possible importance to the Burger Shop case, there just isn't a great deal known about the murder of Stephen Presley. But that is about to change. Recently, we obtained close to 200 pages of heretofore unseen police files on this case. We are pouring over those files now, and we'll be sharing what we learn with you in November, when we do our next series of episodes on the Burger Chef murders. A weight loss journey can feel like a lonely struggle, but it doesn't have to be. For so many of us, lifestyle changes like deciding to lose weight, adopting a nutritious diet, and taking up fun exercises are all about putting our own health and wellness first. But it can be really hard to know where to begin or how to keep the weight off once we've seen some progress. Quick fixes like soup diets and juice cleanses are unsustainable. There's a much better way to embark on this journey that over 200,000 people have already chosen. We're talking about the Roe Body Program. Here's how it works. Roe gives you access to one of the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Their Roe Body Program then sets up a comprehensive weight loss program tailored to your specific lifestyle, health status, and goals. In addition to the weekly shot, you get one-on-one coaching with a registered nurse. That can help you adopt and stick with lifestyle changes like exercise routines and nutritious diets. It's a comprehensive program that sees participants lose 15 to 20% of their weight in a year on average. But the real benefit is that you keep that weight off. This is weight loss at its most sustainable. With Roe, the average weight loss is 15 to 20% of your weight in one year, in conjunction with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash msheet. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. Go to roe.co slash msheet. That's ro.co slash msheet. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. 
you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes you think it's possible that the crab trees could be involved with what happened at Burger Chef? So, you know, it's... We had talked about, you kind of asked me the question of, of why does this deserve some attention and, 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 and some, well, well, attention, yeah, I think is, 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 is the word on this potential theory. And I, I think it's twofold, um, you know, and I'll get to, to in a second kind of some of the boxes that Daryl checks off for me. Um, but I also think that, you know, through some of the work that I've done and definitely through the work that you and Anya have done, We've taken a lot of steps to disprove or at least cast a lot of doubt on some of the more popular theories um, involved in this case, be it the um, robbery gang, the traditional robbery gang theory from uh, Johnson County that you guys have spoken about on the podcast, the uh, Donald Forrester angle. And and I think that um, if the Indiana State Police are going to show that they care about solving this case, they need to investigate, truly investigate other angles. And, and unfortunately, um, they, you know, there's, to me, there should be a sense of urgency because of the amount of time uh, that has passed and, and because of the ages that we're seeing a lot of these people get to. So, so, so that's why I think some of these other things that I'm about to tell you about Daryl Crabtree are, are important. Um, like I say, he just checks a lot of boxes for me. There's, there's, there's the history of violence, um, you know, and, and, and not just him too, but, but the people around him, um, you know, there's just, there's just violence in his, in his life and in his, his group that he runs with and his family. They're not afraid of it. They're not um, afraid to use it to, to get their way or to keep a secret. Um, and, and I think a lot of the uh, suspects that have been mentioned before in the, um, you know, more publicly in the Burger Chef case haven't necessarily exhibited that level of violence or willingness to kill, at least. Um, and, and so, I mean, it definitely checks that box. Um, and, and I think the, the biggest thing for me is that whoever did this had to have enough to and, and knowledge of both the Speedway area and the Johnson County area. And again, I just don't think any other suspect mentioned in this case checks that box quite as strongly as Daryl Crabtree. Um, they were operating out of uh, motels um, in the Speedway area. The American Inn was right across the street 
from the Burger Chef. I mean, you, you could see the Burger Chef sign in the distance from, from the hotel parking lot. Um, so so there's, there's that potential connection, you know, that, that proximity connection. Um, and he wasn't, they, they were operating out of uh, another motel um, east, kind of on the eastern edge of Speedway, which would lend itself to him driving through the area or, or traveling through the area and having an idea of how to get around other parts of it, um, you know, potentially leading to the, 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 the hiding of James Carr, for example, and kind of understanding how he might get away with that. Um, and then there's the connections to Johnson County. Um, and there's, there's, there's so many. Um, again, Daryl's mother was, was named Norma Keen Crabtree, but um, I've actually traced her family lineage back quite far, and a large portion of her family is, one, uh, buried in the cemetery on Morgantown Road in Johnson County, near where Stephen Presley's body was found, but had homes um, and, and even businesses all throughout Johnson County in the 50s, 60s, 70s. A um, couple names I didn't think I mentioned, but uh, Norma had two other sons. Uh, Danny and Ricky Polson, and their father um, was uh, lived just a couple miles southwest of the uh, of Stones Crossing Road in 37, um, near where the the, the uh, victims from the Burger Chef murders were found. So um, the idea that um, Daryl was familiar with that area is very strong. I mean, he even had, it was either an uncle or a great uncle that lived right in, you know, the little town, I guess you would call it, of Stone's Crossing. Um, so that, that's a big one for me, someone who would have that intimate knowledge of both of those areas to feel safe committing first a robbery and abduction and then a murder in uh, an area of Johnson County and feeling like they could get away and, and not be um, suspects in that. I, just, again, makes him such a possibility for something like that. I'm curious, you paint, rather, you make a, a pretty persuasive circumstantial case. Why do you suppose this particular angle or theory has not gotten more attention over the years? Well, and I, I think that question leads to kind of my third big reason why I think this this needs some attention now. And, and it's, I've felt ever since uh, this, I, I began really diving into this case back in late 2018, early 2019, that Johnson County should have been in charge of this case. Um, I think if anybody is going to know and understand um how the area where the victims were found is used and and who knows about it and, and, and be able to really understand who might, you know, find the people that heard or saw something out of place. I think Johnson, the Johnson County investigators um, should have been in, in charge of, of that. And they even come out, you know, following the Stephen Presley murder, come out and, and imply um, that they feel there could be connections between uh, these murders and uh, the Stephen Presley murder. Um, and I just feel like that angle was never given the its due back then. And, and, and the fact that it came from the agency that I feel 
had the best opportunity to solve this case um, really gives it a lot of weight to me. Um, I've seen it time and time again, you know, small agencies um, being the ones that really crack the cases um, on, on some of the longstanding um, unsolved cases here in Indiana. And, and it's usually thanks in part to the technolo- technological advancements um, and just uh, funding and, and equipment availability of uh, the state police. But at the end of the day, a lot of the boots on the ground investigation is carried out and, and the most fruitful leads are found through those local investigators. And I think uh, Johnson County should have been given that chance when they kind of uh, hit on this angle in the early 80s. So what ended up happening to the Crabtrees and their organization? So as I mentioned, in late 1981, Daryl was arrested following a shooting of a sort of drug deal gone wrong in the, the northern part of the city. And actually was arrested, convicted, sent to prison on that charge. During that time, he began selling drugs to inmates at the prison. And as the story goes, um, Norma was dropping the drugs at the prison. And and on one occasion, she had dropped a package outside the gates of the prison. Somebody doing the yard work was supposed to take the package into Daryl. He was to disperse the drugs and the payment was being made through uh, money orders. I assume to Norma, it could have been, they could have been um, being paid to someone else in the organization again to try to, to give her some cover. That That's a detail I don't know, but somehow it led back all the way. That, that was the paper trail um, that really led back to Norma. And then there was what seems like an extensive joint investigation between um, Indianapolis Police Department and the DEA to ultimately uh, lead to the arrest of, I think, 30-some people involved with with the organization, including doctors who were providing the prescriptions, um, a pharmacist who was filling the prescriptions for the pills that they were selling on the street, many, many members of the Crabtree family, um, almost all of, of uh, Norma Jean's um, children at the time. Daryl got more time added to his sentence uh, for his part of it, um, you know, while he was already in prison. Um, and, and from from that point, that was 1984, um, you know, things pretty much go dark and um, you, you don't hear, uh, you know, anything about a lot of violence on the west side, you know, the, the Speedway area for a while. I mean, it all just kind of you know, they were they were definitely they definitely had their hands I think in a, in the pot of a lot of things that that were never actually linked to them be it burger chef or otherwise absolutely um and and I wanted to ask you you know in terms of all of this about the crabtree and the crabtree angle um what sort of questions or you know should we try strive to answer or details should we strive to run down when it comes to this um, you mentioned earlier kind of like wh- why it's important to either possibly prove but also maybe disprove a theory. And I'm just curious, like, what kind of missing puzzle pieces at this point do you think would be most helpful to get on the Crabtree angle so that we can have a, a better sense of it either way? Really, I think I think the best shot would be chasing down some of the names that, you know, people that are still around that were associated with Daryl um, at the time, be it just a friend, associates, 
you know, people that were involved in, in their drug trade or family members. Um, you know, I've heard tell that there were family members that were opposed to the lifestyle that, um, you know, Daryl and Norma Jean and, and all of them lived in, in terms of the drugs and the violence. And, and they didn't, you know, older family members didn't want their children, which would have been Daryl's cousins, you know, actually hanging around a whole lot because they didn't want them going down that path. And, and so maybe uh, speaking with some of those people and, and seeing if they might have a story to tell about, you know, tales that have, have gone through the family over the years. I think we've covered the things we wanted to cover. The last question we always ask is, is there something we should have asked you about that we didn't ask about? Is there something more you'd like to say? You know, I think, I think we've had, we've covered everything that I've had in mind um, involving this angle. Um, You know, I think like you said, Anya, it's, it's, it's something, it's, it's a potential theory to this crime that I think deserves the time taking the time to try to disprove there's enough smoke there there's enough boxes checked that um for indiana state police to just dismiss this out of hand um especially in favor of some of the theories we've we've heard some of their uh, more public figures uh, promote over the years um i i think is really doing a disservice to this case so i hope that um you know, there's there's someone out there, maybe someone hears your podcast and can kind of do do what I just mentioned. Maybe somebody from the family or someone who grew up in the Valley can, can realize that this case is uh, still needing uh, some help and, and maybe they themselves can reach out to state police and, and someone with that firsthand knowledge can tell them, yes, this is definitely an angle you need to look down. We would like to thank Chris Davis for taking the time to talk with us this week. And please join us in November when we start our new series of episodes on the Burger Chef murders. To our surprise, we've gotten a number of requests from people saying they would like a way to help financially support our efforts with the show. So if you are interested, we are relaunching a Patreon page which you can find at www.patreon.com slash murder sheet. Join us there for two live video question and answer sessions each month. You can ask us anything, suggest new cases for us to look at, or even offer ideas for new leads for us to follow. If Patreon is not your thing, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash murder sheet. Thanks for the interest. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Murder Sheet. As always, thanks to Kevin Tyler Greenlee, who composed the music for The Murder Sheet, and who you can find on the web at kevintg.com. To keep up with the latest on The Murder Sheet, please make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Murder Sheet, and on Facebook at MSheet Podcast, or by searching Murder Sheet. If you enjoy listening to The Murder Sheet, please leave us a five-star review to help us gain more exposure and send tips, suggestions, and feedback to murdersheet at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. 
as an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.